Thank you for tuning in to episode two of the Invite Along podcast. Hello, world. This is Juan. And this is Quentin. We're an international couple traveling around the world for love, work, and the pursuit of wonder. Through this podcast, we invite you to come along with us as we discover places near and far while treading lightly and not breaking the bank. We have officially started our trip. Yay! And for this first episode on the road, we're going to talk about Vienna, the capital of Austria. Vienna is very special for us because it is where we met 10 years ago. Quentin, I can't believe it. We're not young and fresh anymore. I know, we're just middle-aged and fresh. So both of us lived there as students 10 years ago, and we had been wanting to go back for a very, very long time. And I could not be more pleased that we were able to make it as part of our trip. Yes, this has been an incredible moment for us. Now, the previous episodes were a bit more freeform, but for this episode and most of the one coming after, we're going for a more structured approach, so you can follow a bit what we've been doing week after week. Uh, so we're going to divide this episode into segments. And the first one we're going to start with is the itinerary. So where exactly did we leave from? Where exactly did we go? Where exactly are we going to end up afterwards? So for this week, we left Washington, D.C. on Monday afternoon. So that's Monday, May the 30th. And we arrived in Vienna around 9 a.m. on Tuesday, local time. Our final destination is Bangkok, but we specifically chose a flight with a long layover so we'd have time to revisit the city where we met. Our second flight was on Tuesday evening around 11.30 p.m. And we arrived in Bangkok on Wednesday around 2 p.m., again local time. So if it sounds like we didn't get any proper sleep for 48 hours, that's exactly what happened and we were dead tired on arrival. But we really wouldn't change a single thing because that allowed us to really explore the city for an entire day. So, And Bangkok is of course incredibly exciting itself, but we're going to keep that for our next episode. Here we're going to focus on Vienna. The second segment is going to be takeoff, where we explain how we planned for this particular leg of the trip. And here Juan has found an absolutely incredible flight, going from the US, stopping in Vienna, and eventually going to Thailand. Can you tell us a bit more about the flight and how we paid for it? Yes, absolutely. We actually booked this flight, I think, way back in January. And for all of our long-distance, expensive flights, I have several criteria. First, it has to be fully refundable and changeable due to the ongoing COVID situation. Second, we have to be able to pay for it with points, so not too much out of pocket. And third, it can't be too, too, too painful. Like nothing like three stopovers or something like that, because, you know, (laughs) it's exhausting to travel. Now, I'm going to cut you right off here just for a second, because... Uh, Juan is a points master, but I think uh, some of the people that may listen to the podcast might just not be aware of what we're talking about here. Simply put, a lot of credit cards in the US have systems where if you spend a certain amount of money on that card, you are rewarded with points. And those points are generated by the credit card company. Very often, we'd like to go for credit cards that offer points that are specifically good for hotels or flights. 
So for example, Chase is one uh, US bank that does that a lot, and they're quite known in the points game, so to speak, for having good offers, right? Yes, that's right. And many of these have intro offers or bonuses that have hundreds of thousands of points. So we actually have been working on accumulating these points for many years. Leading up to this trip and the trip planning process, some of the points that we have included ultimate rewards points, which were from our Chase Sapphire preferred cards and Chase Freedom cards. We also have some Air Canada points, which we accumulated from the Air Canada sign-up bonus. Shout out to Air Canada, by the way. Great job on your relaunch. It has been super awesome. And then also United Points, which is another flight currency. Now, in the Points and Miles community, points are also referred to as currencies, so I may use these two terms interchangeably. Okay, now that we're armed with points, it's time for searching flights. I probably used every single search engine known to man, but the couple that I found really helpful includes Google Flights, just to get a lay of the land and have some ideas of which airlines are going where. And then I've also really enjoyed the United app for my search, as well as the Air Canada app. Actually, many of the airlines belong to the same ecosystem or family of airlines, such as Star Alliance. So on United, you're able to find for example, Singapore Air or Air Canada flights, but I'll go into those in more detail in another time. Essentially, what happened was we saw that the best flight option was through United. United was the best option for us because points redemptions were refundable. So that's a huge bonus, especially in this climate where we don't know what's going to happen with COVID. And United allowed us to fly with Austrian Airlines that had this awesome very opportune layover in Vienna. At the end of the day, we spent 44,000 points per person on this flight to Vienna. If you got the math correct, that is 88,000 points total, United points, for two economy class flights. And including taxes and fees, we paid out of pocket $49.20. That is not bad at all to fly across the world. I don't even think I could get across America with $49.20. Yeah, this was extremely impressive. Again, uh, Han is more the points master between the two of us because I didn't grow up with that system of credit card. It's not really a thing in Europe, or at least not nearly as big. So seeing the uh, possibilities that are offered by this kind of credit cards companies is very impressive. Of course, uh, it's using a, a financial tool and you have to be confident that you can use it without running into any sort of financial issues. So before you try to open a car like this, of course, make sure that you can actually pay it on time because, again, and for the people who are not familiar with the US credit card system, uh, the basic idea is that you spend the money, you know, you essentially use that card to say, hey, for this month, I'm going to spend, you know, $2,000, for example. And at the end of the month, you have to pay this 2000 bill to the credit card. So instead of paying things directly out of your checkings account, you pay with a delay because you first pay with your credit card and then you pay the bill of your credit card. But uh, the United card that I was able to open uh, for us to get that flight got us, remind, remind me, 100,000 points? I think either that or 80,000 points and we transferred some over from Chase maybe? 
Yeah, I think at least 80,000 points for just opening the card and spending a certain amount for the next uh, for the first three months of using that card, which is easily done because in our case, we used that credit card to also pay uh, our rent. If you would like more information about credit cards, the points game, etc., I highly recommend several Points and Miles creators that have really helped me. It's very confusing to start, so take your time. You know, if you know you have a very big trip coming up, maybe spend some time looking at the content of these other creators and then feel free to DM us with any questions. So I recommend checking out GeoBreeze Travel, Max Miles and Points, Frequent Miler, who's like the OG of Points and Miles game, The Prince of Travel, and Ask Sebi. GeoBreeze and Frequent Miler also have very informative podcasts. So if you're into podcasts, I highly recommend these too. The rest are either on Instagram and or on YouTube. And the Prince of Travel, he is from Canada. So for our Canadian listeners out there, I recommend checking him out because things are a little bit different in Canada. Okay, another perk of having our credit cards set up is access to different lounges in different airports. So through my Marriott Bonvoy card, I actually have access to Priority Pass, and this allows me entry into many different airport lounges in international and domestic airports. And I'm able to bring in one free guest. This means that we got to hang out at airport lounges, eat for free, drink for free. This is alcoholic and non-alcoholic beverages, and basically fly in style. Now, due to COVID, many airports have reduced hours or reduced services. So definitely double check with different apps to make sure. I particularly like the app Lounge Buddy, which helps me figure out where I can check into the lounge at which airport using the cards that I have. For us, we actually hung out at Turkish Airlines Lounge, which is at the Washington Dallas Airport. This is my favorite lounge because Turkish Airlines has the best food selection. So every time I fly through IAD, I always pop by the Turkish Airlines Lounge. And with this pass, I actually get one free guest. So Quentin is my free guest. Quentin, did you have a nice time at these lounges? I always have an amazing time. I did not even know this was a thing that existed for until relatively recently because that's not exactly the world I grew up in. So to be able to just kind of whisk away in a secluded part of the airport and just eat delicious meatballs and hummus and just sip on free drinks and free food, it's an amazing time every time. Any free food is good food. Yes. Also free water. Oh, I'll talk about this later, but that's something I really miss already from being in the States. (laughs) Right. So this was all the organization regarding the flight. Uh, For the activities of the day, because in this case, again, we were only staying in Vienna for one day and we wanted to make the most of it. Uh, It was actually pretty straightforward. As I mentioned earlier, we used to live here, so we already had a pretty good idea of what there is to see. And since I'm the one between the both of us that speaks German the best, uh, I went ahead and booked some activities throughout the day. And uh, Juan, can you introduce our next segment? This brings us to our next section, in-flight entertainment, which is all about what we actually did during our trip. Now, the goal was to enjoy our day, reminisce about our first days together as a couple. Oh, 10 years ago, I still (laughs) can't believe it. So we hit a few of the spots we already knew and loved and also took the opportunity to discover some new areas. 
Alright, so to tell you a bit what we've done throughout the day, essentially once you land at the Vienna airport you can reach the city center relatively easily by taking the S-Bahn. So the S-Bahn is the term in Germany and Austria to refer to essentially regional trains near a biggish city and it is very cheap and very convenient, very much on time. Uh, we love public transportation in general and it was really good to be back in Europe where it is of an other caliber, of a, of a higher caliber than what you can find in the US. So from the S-Bahn uh, at the airport, we landed at Mitte, Wiener Mitte, which is a stop that's essentially on the southeast part of uh, the town center. And from there, we were able to walk down the Stadtpark, which is a small and beautiful park uh, within the, again, within sort of center, central Vienna. And walking down the Stadtpark, we essentially reached the Albertina Modern. So the Albertina Modern is one of the many, many museums that are in Vienna. Vienna is absolutely known for its museums and its concert halls. We did not have the time to go to any sort of concert, or opera, or play because we had to catch a flight in the evening, but instead we decided to look at more of the museums. So the Albertina Modern is a newer building because there's already an Albertina museum that's known for more classical style of art. So we went to the Albertina Modern to see uh, a retrospective on Ai Weiwei, uh, who's a Chinese artist known for its protest art that he's been doing over, over 20 years now, over 30 years, right? He started in New York, but he really became big when he went back to China and started making uh, pieces that were essentially criticizing uh, the Chinese government. And he's been imprisoned for it. Uh, he's been made persona non grata in China for it uh, on several occasions. And his art is absolutely incredible. Oh, yeah, I was absolutely blown away. I had seen pieces of his work throughout the years, such as at the Tate Modern when we used to live in London. But this is the biggest retrospective for Ai Weiwei to date. So it was really an amazing collection of his work. Looking at from the earlier pieces all the way to the latest pieces, it was incredible. And I'll talk more about that in one of our upcoming sections. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was also blown away. The retrospective was a great way to see how his art evolved from, uh, again, his start in America to how it sort of merged, morphed into what it is now, and how he's using his art nowadays to actually address the refugee crisis in Europe, and uh, how he actually uh, set himself on the island of Lesbos in Greece, an island where a lot of refugees were trying to reach uh, in order to make it into Europe. On top of the Ai Weiwei exhibit, they also had an exhibit of some of Klimt's uh, sketches. So Gustav Klimt is a very well-known artist, Viennese artist, who's considered the uh, forefront of what is called the Vienna Secession, which is a very particular art style, sort of art movement of the early 20th century. I'm a huge fan of it. It's part of the reason why I went to, to Vienna in the first place to study, because I wanted to be close to that kind of art, that kind of inspiration. And here seeing his sketches was a really great way to, um, I don't know, to really get a sense of how how he was working about things and how he was considering things and preparing them on large canvases. Uh, a lot of his sketches are actually quite small for canvases that then ended up being meters big. So I was very, uh, very surprised and just very enamored with that exhibit. For those of you who may not be familiar with Klimt, the piece that he's probably most renowned for across the world is The Kiss, which depicts a man and a woman kissing, and it's very gilded and golden. 
This is a big theme of his art in general. So actually, <laughs> he had some very spicy erotic sketches that were on display. Yeah, I like the fact that the erotic sketches that were clearly set up on the on the back wall all the way at the end of the exhibit. They really wanted to kind of going like, hey, yeah, yeah. Before you see the you know before you see the naked ladies, you have to check everything else first. Like we know what you hear. After the Albertina Modern, we went to Karlsplatz, which is uh, just across the street from the Albertina Modern, and it is a place very dear to my heart because this is where the Technical University of Vienna is and where I used to live when I was a student there. Uh, so we actually were able to find the old building where I lived on Opengasse. The building is still as old and decrepit as it was back then. Uh, I'm sure the room is just as small as it was back then, and it was a very... Uh, it's a tender moment to uh, to reconnect with that part of, of our history together. After this, we were able to go to Naschmarkt, which again is just next to Karlsplatz. And Naschmarkt literally means, I mean, it's not exactly clear what the etymology of the term is, but Naschen can mean to sort of sample or to, to kind of have a little bite of things in German. And that's exactly what Naschmarkt is. It is this extremely long market that just sells all sorts of little things and you can go around and sort of uh yeah kind of nibble your way through uh the market this is one of our very first dates was at a restaurant at Nashmarkt, and it was great to see that again it hasn't changed that much and we were just having a great time from there we were able to continue towards the city center uh, where we grabbed lunch at lugek um so Lugek is a restaurant in a neighborhood also known as Lugek. Uh, the restaurant was really nice. It had this kind of mid-century modern vibe, uh, a lot of 1950s, 1960s aesthetic. The food was, I would call it schnitzel forward. Uh, <laughs> it was very delicious, but it was very heavy, um, which you know we should have guessed. And after essentially a sleepless night on the airplane the night before, it was a bit much, so we followed that by actually having a nap in Volksgarten. So Volksgarten is another park that's more on the western side of uh, central Vienna. And this is actually where we genuinely met for the first time. Volksgarten within the park has a sort of nightclub, also known as Volksgarten. So this time we went and it was absolutely beautiful, uh, roses everywhere, there were roses in bloom over the entire park. People were just, you know, having a stroll, having a good time, and we just kind of fell asleep on the grass because we were so tired. To be fair, public sleeping was very pervasive because it was such a nice day outside. There were many people picnicking and napping on the benches and on the grass, so I didn't feel too weird doing it. Oh yeah, no, no, we were absolutely not the only people sleeping on the grass. Uh, loads of people picnicking. And if you've been to Germany, Austria before, you know it's very common to do that in parks. Uh, after the Volksgarten, we were able to gather our forces for a second and go to the Albertina, so the main Albertina Museum, which again, this time is not modern art and rather art from, I would say, 19th century and before. And here there was a retrospective on Edvard Munch, who is a painter mostly known for his work, The Scream. I'm sure someone who is more knowledgeable about this would be able to uh, give it a fair shake. But for me, I was just really taken away by how much angst there was in Munch's work. And I mean, I guess that was his point, right? And I really liked that there was a 
display or an exhibit of the dialogues between other artists and him, such as Andy Warhol, who was very inspired by him, but also other artists who really inspired Munch. For example, Vincent Van Gogh, who also himself suffered a lot of mental health issues. And I'll take this slight opportunity to remind people that Vincent Van Gogh was not a creative artist because of his mental illness, but actually accomplished his best work when he was being you know, medicated and actually followed by a doctor. Um, so after the Albertina Museum, we ended up going to Café Central. Uh, if you've ever been to Vienna, you've probably heard of it. Café Central is one of the oldest cafes in Vienna, and it was known as sort of the hangout spot for many, uh, many a writer, many a politician, many a philosopher in Vienna around the turn of the 20th century. Uh, we stayed there relatively briefly, had a delicious little pastry. Uh, at this point, I was essentially dissociating from the lack of sleep, so I don't remember it too well. <laughs> but uh, essentially after that, I believe we just went back to the airport. We just walked, made our way through central Vienna, going by the Stephansdom, which is the uh, main cathedral, St. Stephen, I guess in, in English. Absolutely gorgeous, as always. And it was just great experiencing a city where people were just walking around, taking their time, enjoying a bit of a difference from what you see sometimes in American cities. I also want to go back to Café Central because I remember the taste of that passion fruit tart, which was the most divine thing I've ever put in my mouth. It was glorious. And for many of you who have heard of Café Central before or may have visited before, when we went this time, there were no pianists playing. I think maybe that might have been a COVID thing, but just know that don't necessarily expect the pianist to be there. Right, with all this, this is time for our next segment, Turbulence, where we tell you about a bumpy or frustrating aspect of our trip. Uh, in the case of Vienna, that we're only staying one day and it's a city we know well, so we really weren't expecting any issues, and as a matter of fact, nothing major has happened. It's generally been lovely. There's only been one annoyance, I would say, that we've encountered, is when we try to store our bags at the airport for the day. The Vienna airport, let's say, is not intuitive at all whatsoever. So the whole process of actually just navigating through the airport, trying to figure out where do you store a bag, paying for the bags that you want to store, and the whole process was a little bit hectic. It was not very expensive, though. It cost about four euros to store each bag, and we stored three. So two of our backpacks and a day bag. Again, nothing major but annoying is the fact that each piece of luggage had to be checked in separately. So we ended up with a pile of like 12 pieces of paper, 12 different receipts, just because we we're trying to like check three pieces of luggage. That's true. And the place where you pay for your luggage is different than the place you store your luggage. But all is well, that ends well. And we were able to store our bags and be relatively unencumbered as we went through our day. Yeah, it eventually worked out, but this was really a case of looking at a system and thinking to yourself, there is no way it needs to be that complicated. Do you have any other turbulence you would like to share with uh, uh, our audience? Yeah, so the general observation on the road as soon as you leave the States is that public water fountains are very scarce. So it was actually quite expensive to buy water wherever we went, especially at the airports. I really did my best and looked for water fountains at the Vienna airport, and it was under construction and I could not find any water fountains. 
there were some water fountains actually in downtown Vienna, and they're hilariously named Brunhilde. There are many different Brunhildes, but these are the types of fountains where you kind of have to like put your mouth over the fountain. And due to COVID, I just didn't feel super comfortable doing that, especially since I saw a few kids doing that to the water fountain just before me. I was like, you know what? Maybe it's best to just stick to bottled water. I hate it, but here we are. And actually, we were not able to access the airport lounge in Vienna because that lounge was only available for flights within the Schengen area. Because we were going to Bangkok, we actually had to go through an extra security gate, and we could not access the priority pass lounge in the Vienna airport. Which again was not made very clear until we had actually passed that checkpoint. Which brings us back to where we we're saying, where I think the Vienna airport the layout is a bit confusing, and it just takes a bit longer than it really should to find your your way through it. Okay, that's basically it for turbulence. We are nitpicking a little bit because overall we had a really good time. Now to finish on a high note, here's our last segment, flying high, where we share our favorite moments for this part of the trip. For me, my favorite moment was actually just the whole day soaking up the beautiful city, revisiting our date spots. And I had a very emotional experience at the Ai Weiwei exhibit because he did a full show about the 2008 Sichuan earthquake. For me, I am actually from Sichuan, so to be there to see that exhibit and see the giant wall of names of the children who have died during the earthquake was very emotional. I was definitely sobbing into my mask. How about you, Quentin? Uh, well, you cannot. Pick, pick my answer because I was gonna say the whole day, and that's kind of cheating. But uh, but no, I think the Ai Weiwei exhibit was absolutely incredible. I don't necessarily have the same personal connection to his artwork for the 2008 Sichuan earthquake, but it was obviously very moving. But I think for me, it was more. Uh, if I really had to pick a favorite, it would probably just be vibing in a city center, just walking around, seeing all the people, and just those beautiful buildings. I don't know. There's just an an air of everything. Everything's gonna be fine when you walk around central Vienna, and I I think it might be a bit of a privileged uh, point of view. I'm sure there are a lot of people. There are lots of people struggling, you know, whilst living in Vienna or in Austria in general. But I think on a day like this, in our particular personal journey, it was a just a very, just very low stress, enjoyable day in the sun. Yeah, it's always good to hang out with the love of your life. Exactly. Yes, that's that's essentially what I was trying to say. Just hanging out with my wife. <laughs> <laughs> all in all, this was an amazing way to start our trip, and we can't wait to share more of our adventures with you all. Thank you so much for listening to us, and we'd always love it if you could subscribe to our podcast and follow along on Instagram at Invite Along Podcast. If you have any questions, thoughts, suggestions, just want to chat, you can always DM us there. And you can also reach us by email at invitedalong at gmail dot com. All right, so long for now. Bye.